Hey, welcome back to Restless the Podcast. This is Steve. You know, it's been a few weeks that uh, since we've been here, and we had our last story with, they call him Coach, which was really, really good. And tonight we have even another story that we want you to be a part of and hear. But first, if you got a story, and, and here's the thing, you do have a story, and they're all unique, and they're all special, and they're all been given to you like fingerprints that are all different. So we would love to hear it. And that's the special gift given to you to share with other people to perhaps even bless them. If you're up for that, get up with us by contacting us at info at restlesspodcast.com. Better yet, go to our website, restlesspodcast.com, and go to tell your story and leave us some information. We would love to hear from you. Tonight we have someone uniquely special. And Luke, could you tell us about Kurt? So our guest tonight is Kurt. And Kurt grew up in central Maryland and as a young man bound for college, in fact at Hopkins School to be a mechanical engineer, he suddenly lost his dad and then three years later lost his mom as a sophomore at college. And it completely altered the trajectory of his life. And Kurt is here to tell us about what he did after that happened and what needed to change after that traumatic event. And Luke, you know, as we all think about this and how the role of parents are in our lives and the uniqueness of how that is set up in the family unit. And when one is lost is one thing, but when they are both are lost at a young age, that, that impacts us for a lot of years to come. And Kurt, you know, if you wouldn't mind just starting out, tell us a little bit about yourself and how that story began for you, whether that's as a young man beginning high school and then moving on to college. What was it like? Um, pretty ordinary. I mean, to start off, I had a very normal, average, I mean, looking back at it, great life growing up. Parents were fine. You know, I got spanked and hollered at and everything like normal kids. And I just grew up average middle class, or at least as near as I know it. And, uh, you know, went into high school, started playing sports, did fairly well, did decent in school. And, uh, you know, uh, going into my junior year, coming out of my junior year, my dad was sick. He was sick a lot. Um, and he'd be home on the sofa a lot. And, uh, you know, testing and all that kind of thing. That was a little while ago. Um, it took a while, and they eventually found out that he had cancer. And then um, right before my senior year, he passed away. So we went into football, you know, senior year. I mean, it wasn't uh, – the one good thing about playing football was well, two things. You know, one, we were there before everybody else, so I felt comfortable in school. You know, I'd already been there, been around everybody for two, three weeks. So I felt comfortable with school, wasn't too worried about the whispering and, you know, did you hear this, all that kind of thing. So that that part was good. And the other thing was, you know, if you get a little angry or whatnot, it's it's a place to let it out a little bit, you know. So that was good and uh, went through my senior year, did decent. Um had a good friend that I played football with 
and we both got accepted to Hopkins. Um, and we went down there and played football. Um, so uh, we're excited about that, kept so, that going. So you got accepted Hopkins under like a sports scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Division three, so it wasn't, uh, you, you know, um, it, it was more embellished financial aid than it mm-hmm. was scholarship, but, you know, um, so they took me in. That's great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so played football down there. I was a mechanical engineering student. I mean, basically your general classes, your basic classes. Um, I did okay. Um, after my freshman year, I did construction with a friend, um, building a home, building his father's home and, uh, you know, grunt labor. And then, uh, back in the football and it was the easiest football double sessions I ever had. Cause I'd been digging footers and wheelbarrow and rock and all that kind of thing. So, um, that was fairly easy. And, uh, so went through the season, uh, spring semester. Um, we were, uh, we had a row house down in Baltimore, just outside of the campus and, um, got a phone call that there was an accident, had to get up to Harford County somewhere. And, uh, I do, I do remember, so we're sitting in the hospital, nobody can tell me anything. And I can remember the, the officers were at the end, other end of the hall, you know, a great big long hall. And, uh, you know, so it was me, uh, my friend from high school and another fellow that I played football with. So we're sitting down there pacing and there's these two police officers at the other end of the hall back there pacing and, you know, knew things weren't good. You know, you knew something bad was going on. So finally they, you know, I really feel bad for those guys looking back, you know, I'm sure it's not the funnest that, you know, they had plenty of other things they could be or rather be doing that night. But so they eventually came down and told me that she had passed away and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so there, there we are in the hospital. We're like, you know, I'm sobbing a little bit and trying to, you know, kind of get my wits together. And, the, you know, the two guys with me were trying to, you know, like help. But, you know, what do you do? What do you, you know? So, um, yeah, so after that, we just, uh, we packed up, went to my mother's parents, my grandparents' house, and I told them, and, uh, you know, then the guys went home, grandparents said they'd take it from here. I mean, they were pretty incredible troopers, really, Mm. and went over, then we all told my sister, you know, and then went through all the, the funeral process or whatnot. Um, yeah, it's kind of a week of kind of just kind of, uh, mind, you know, just walking through things, you know, not really you're doing stuff, but you're not sure what you're doing or why you're doing it or whatnot. So, you know, kind of get through that. And, uh, you know, the whole time, you know, it's, what am I going to do? You know, 
and there was some God, why did this happen? Um, why me? What did I do? What, you know, what the, the whole ball of wax. I mean, the steps of grief and all that sort of thing. Um, I think Luke mentioned, uh, so my sister was still in high school. Um, you know, we had the house, the, the insurance from my father and decisions my mother made or whatnot. The house was paid for, but we still had the bills, had to figure out how to live, all that sort of thing. And, uh, the friend that, uh, I had built his father's home with, he was basically there as, you know, what do you need? What do you want to do? So basically he hired me or I went to work or vice versa, you know, flip a coin, call it what you want. But basically I started doing construction and taking on the bills of the house and everything like that. I, I was able to finish up my semester, my second semester exams, all that kind of thing, finish out my classes, but decided to go to work instead of back to college. Um, and then, uh, that's pretty much what I did. I mean, that first year or two was pretty much driven by taking care of my sister. Um, even though she didn't want to be taken care of. Um, but you know, did the best I could with what I had or whatnot. And so Kurt, you, you left college because you had this, or at least you believe you had this need to, by which to take care of your sister. Yep. Only family. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, only immediate family. I mean, we had grandparents. Uh, my one grandfather had passed away. Um, you know, they were to that age. So as, you know, the probably the next five or six years, my other two grandmothers passed away. Um, then after that, my aunt, a little while after that, my other grandfather. Um, yeah, we, a joke that I have a whole half acre over at Lakeview. Mm. But uh, I mean, what were you thinking? I mean, you lost your dad three years earlier. This is your mom. You're losing relatives around you. Honestly, there, there's a moment where you're just in shock and you're mechanically processing all these things and you do what you need to do to get through it. But there comes a time to where you go, oh, my gosh. I mean, what, what, what's next? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's kind of where I was. I mean, you know, like I said, that first year or so was driven by some sense of duty, responsibility, that sort of thing. And then basically... There was more and more, you know, as uh, grandparents age or whatnot, you're caring for them or helping, not caring for them, but helping with this or that. And, you know, your parents aren't there. They're mm -hmm. their kids that would be doing kind of what they're calling on you to do. Um, and then as that kind of went away, it was just, you know, more more of a sense of loneliness, hmm. sort of. I mean, I would just, but along with that came some self-reliance and whatnot, you know, you know, you've made it this far, you've done this, you can keep moving ahead. 
Um, the one thing that uh, did start happening, which was kind of masked, and, uh, you know, I did a lot of construction. We started off painting, um, start got into remodeling, um, building, that sort of thing. Originally, we had built uh, a fellow's father's home. Um, and construction was a great place to hide your anger, similar mm -hmm. to football. You know, you tear stuff up, you're ripping stuff down, you're throwing stuff away, you know, and it's a pretty good place to get rid of anger, frustration, um, and hide things as well. So, you know, I would have these fits of anger. I mean, I'd be quick to anger. I would, you know, throw stuff, break stuff, um, you know, outbursts, things like that. But it was construction. They just look at you and say, are you done? Okay. You get back to work and you go on so you know that that went on for a while and that just seemed normal i mean it was you know nobody else thought anything about it so i didn't think anything about it i just you know that's the way things were did you realize what was going on at the time no 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 i mean it just you know i stubbed my toe so i threw a hammer or you know i mean the one classic thing that we had was uh we had an old old van you know it was <laughs> it was not much but um it was pretty rough and we we're filling it full of trash and i'm pulling on something you know pile of trash i'm pulling on something and something pulls out and hits me or bangs me in the head something silly you know and uh i get all mad and threw a piece of sheetrock into the into the van and there was a broken door that was laying in there and that piece of drywall just skipped right up went right between the two seats as perfect as you please and smashed out the windshield mm. and it's just like you, you know that's not good yeah so it, it was that was a troubling you know that was a time when I had to be sat down and talked to that, you know, what's going on? Is everything okay? And, uh, you know, I mean. And did someone do that? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the guy that I was working for did. Um, but not, you know, now a time had some passed. Some time had passed. So it wasn't like last week, last, last week. month, that sort of thing. This is a couple years couple down years, the road. Yeah. So. Um, that kind of thing just festered off and on, um, you know, over the past or the next 10 years or so. But you're still um, in the middle of, of processing, you know, for most people to have the loss of one parent, say three years earlier, it could take years just to process that. I mean, get through that. Yet you have a mom that is tragically taken from you as well. Do you? Get any kind of counsel, or does anyone speak to you? Hey, Kurt, you need to understand this is significant, and it's going to take a while to get through this. No. No. I mean, that was a uh, trial by fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just, you know, the the good thing that I had, um, so I lost my parents, and the fellow that I was working for, his his father and stepmom, 
were there. It was really, looking back, it was really, really a neat and very lucky thing. I had really two sets of parents. Um, the guy I was in college with, his parents, they basically took me in, and so did the fellow I went to work for. His father and stepmother kind of took me in. And it was, I mean, I really don't, it was, I was very, very lucky. I mean, because basically I could come and go as I please, but they were there to pick me up when I needed it. But in both cases, none of them were blood relatives. No, not at all. I mean, basically I was the stray cat that they fed and just stuck around and kept coming back and they kept feeding. How about your sister? My sister, she ended up getting married shortly after high school and had kids and had a rough time, still having a rough time. She, uh, we are somewhat estranged. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't say estranged, but we're not close. Yeah. Um, she went through a lot of money, did a lot of bad things. Um, and this is all connected to not having parents. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and looking back, I wish I could do better for her. Um, but at some point in time, you know, she made her own decisions too. So it's a little hard to yeah. wrestle with that one. I mean. So, event so these two sets of people, you, the your employer and then your friend's parents are kind of stepping in in that role. But the truth is, is you can't fill that role, right? No. I mean, and, you know, and I'm, there's a lot going on. I mean, same thing that happens to most 20-year-olds or 25-year-olds or what have you. You know, I'm, uh, girls, women, drinking, carrying on. I mean, nothing horrible, mm -hmm. nothing, but, you know, um, you know, stay out too late and get up not feeling that great the next morning. And that's, it's kind of the hallmark of construction. So, you know, felt like I was fitting in that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, eventually, um, I went to my 10 year reunion after all this pretty much construction the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, and met up with a girl from high school that I had, Dated one time in high school. One time. Yep. And then we started dating. She had a son, and we got married. This is 10 years after high school. 10 years after high school. 10-year reunion. Mm -hmm. And uh, so a year after that, pretty much we were married, um, expecting our first child, so second child. Um, and along with that... Uh, Eventually got another job in the construction management. Mm -hmm. um, and the things were going well. Had a family, providing for a family, that sort of thing. But the anger issues still plagued me, you know. And in construction, you know, they just kind of look at you funny and 
say, okay, get back up here or whatnot, you know, or pick that up or what have you. It's a little different when you have a wife and babies running around the house and you burst into a tirade and throw stuff across the yard or through the kitchen or that sort of thing. Now, let me ask you about that. You know, now you're in the situation, you're being a dad, Mm -hmm. and your dad was taken away from you at a young age. Where are you getting all these dad experiences or this information or this wisdom that would normally come from a parent, or is it just on the run? Well, I I did have pretty good support. Mm-hmm. Um, both the two families that kind of took me in were very helpful, you know. Um, Even during marriage? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Tried to be as helpful. I mean, um, you know, we holidays, that sort of thing. It was, I mean— when I was going, you know, before I got married, I mean, I used to joke about it, you know, that I'd, you know, Christmas, I'd get two dinners or, you know, holidays, I could call up and see which one had the best meal and, you know, I could go there or whatnot, you know, it, I was pretty lucky. So, um, and that, that just continued on. I mean, bringing the kids by and all that sort of thing. It was, you know, kind of like family. Yeah. I mean, it was you know, um, and still close with those, all those people today. Um, but yeah, if, uh, the anger issues did persist, you know, and kids, babies, as awesome and pretty as they are, you know, they're frustrating as well. You know, they, they get sick, they mess, they break things, they, you know, and, uh, you know, the the anger issues would surface. I mean, it wasn't beating anybody or anything like that, but, you know, breaking things. And uh, it eventually got to the point where, um, well, eventually we had two more kids, so we had four kids. um, And they were fairly young, but it got to the point where my wife, told me that she thought I should leave. She didn't want us to divorce. She just wanted me to leave. And that's kind of the point where we had, uh, I had, I had, I'm assuming that I had said something was wrong. I mean, not only with the marriage, but with me and whatnot. Um, and uh, one of the neighbors um, we had very good neighbors where we were living. Um, had gotten me a Bible, you know. I mean, I had Bibles, but he he got me a Bible that was uh, color coded or whatnot, so mm-hmm. you know, easier to read and understand that sort of thing. And you know, we had talked about that sort of thing. So so I was actually trying to read the Bible and all that kind of thing, and I was was doing some reading off and on, sometimes heavily and then sometimes not so, and back and forth. And uh, at the same time, we had the kids in uh, Sunday school, that sort of thing. Um, Some of them were involved with the youth group, but never got real real comfortable there with the church. 
Yeah. Um, and when your parents were alive, did they take you to church? Yeah. Uh, I was uh, brought up Episcopalian. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Sunday school, the confirmation, the mm-hmm. old ball of wax, um, the checking the boxes type of thing, the you know, did all that sort of thing. And it was, uh, you know, it was fine. It was good. Yeah. Um, you know, had been out of it, you know, we worked hard, played hard, didn't do a whole lot of the church stuff, you know, when I wasn't married. But as parents, uh, as yourself, you thought this is just the right thing to do. This is what you do. This is what, yeah, exactly. You check these boxes. Yep. Yeah. So we're going through that. And, uh, like I said, it got to the point where, you know, my wife felt that I was scaring her and scaring the kids with some of this anger. And, uh, at that point, you know, I had, I do what I normally do. I go out in the woods, you know, cause I like to hunt fish, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, just completely broke down, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't have any family. This is my family. I'm making a family. And now I've, losing it. you know, I've screwed that up, mm-hmm. you know, so that was a lot of the whole ball of, you know, the whole gamut of why me, why are you doing this to me? What, what, what did I do? What did I, you know, all that kind of, uh, bargaining and, uh, with God. Yeah. Horse trading and all this kind of stuff. You know, if, if I do this or you'd let me get back in there, you know, all of it, you know, the whole, but just in the middle of a woods on a stump, bawling my eyes out, trying to figure out how, why, what, you know, all that sort of thing. And still here's a guy, again, alone in the woods, trying to figure something out on his own. Yeah. Yep. No book, no breadcrumbs, no, you know. No parents. Yep. And uh, so, yeah. So it it was a little tough, and it, and of course it's also hard to ask for help. I mean, as men in general, you we're know, stubborn, very stubborn. So you know, particularly an angry man. Yeah, and I'm, you know, been on my own, doing my own thing for a while. You know, I did everything else myself. Why, you know, so all this stuff is basically coming back to haunt me or kick me in the tail or whatnot, you know. You find yourself reliving some of these things? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, but it was, uh, it was tough. Um, the one big thing, the, our one neighbor, uh, the father of the fellow who gave me the Bible, you know, I went to talk to them, you know, because they have known my wife for, a long, long time, pretty much her whole life they had known her. So I went to talk to them, explain to them what was going on and that sort of thing. And um, he had given me a uh, a pamphlet, kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. read this. There's a pamphlet on marriage. It had a bunch of Bible verses in it, and it, you know, would kind of talk about them, you know, and— uh, 
try to coach you through marriage. So, you know, I took it out into the woods. <laughs> so, same, same stump day or a different day? Uh, the, different day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This same is stump? probably a couple weeks, three weeks later. Nope. Different stump. Different, a little different view. Mm-hmm. Um, and read through it and trying to, you know, I'd read a little bit and, you know, and then I'd want to argue, you know, why, why do I got to do that? Or what, you know, and then I would go off and it would be the kind of the mental gymnastics, the wrestling with God again, you know, this going to work. I can't, you know, all the, all the horse training again, you know, it's like, you know, please give me a shot. Can I ask you though? Was this just a, a snake oil thing? If I take some of this, maybe this will get better. Or was was God actually real to you? I think. I mean, at at really at this point in time, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really. I mean, I really didn't know. I mean, I didn't. I. I felt. You know, I was angry, you know, and I felt like, you know, that's not a real nice way to treat somebody if this, you know what I mean? That that kind of horse trading and blame and all that sort of thing. And, uh, but it was basically through this process, you know, eventually I was able to work back into the house. Um, be with the kids just, and, you know, it was a slow process. Um, and the more, the more I read, the more, more, you know, it, it was kind of a combination of the both. The more I read, the better I would be, the you know, it took a long time, but I started having more peace. Um, whether that's from the reading, realizing what I could lose, uh, the combination of everything. Um, yeah. Did just, did your wife at any point in time say, "Until you figure this out, we need some distance between us"? Yes. So I mean, were, that's what. Yeah. That that's was a basically what. Yeah. So she I mean, went somewhere and you went somewhere. I, I the kids were there, so I left. Mm-hmm. You know, so um Who'd you hang out with? Uh people would work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wasn't a whole lot of places to go. Um And how long? Uh couple of weeks. You okay. know, I mean it wasn't it you know, it wasn't that long. Um, but it was long enough, you know, okay, you can come over for dinner tonight, you know, get something decent to eat, you know, uh, you can come by and do the laundry. And how were your kids? Oh, uh, young. I mean, Cody, the oldest was probably maybe eight. So the youngest was baby i mean 
Was he wanting to know what was going on? Um, not, I, not that he ever expressed to me, you know, I, he may have asked my wife, um, but I worked a lot at that time, you know, so. you being gone, was I wasn't okay. a shocker to him or whatnot, but, um, not being there at night to a point. You know, and the other ones were young enough not to yeah. notice too much, luckily. So I was able to, we were able to patch things up at that point. You know, I mean, it was a, a slow process. Um, I was... I was bound and determined. I mean, I w- that was my rock bottom. I mean, I was not. I I was not able to lose that. I mean, I had built a family of my own. I mean, I had lost all my family, um, except for my sister. Um, and I had built a family, and I was not. I I just couldn't lose it. I mean, I couldn't let it go. I mean, I, I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have, you know, an exit strategy or, you know, a girlfriend or, a, you know, I mean, it was no, I mean, our story and it was a perfect story for me. I mean, you know, it's not an ideal journey, but it was a perfect story of us being together, our family, what I what we had built and uh and i you know everything came unraveled at that point when i just you know um and the the only way i mean was really god's help i mean literally almost every day i mean things got better over time Almost every day I had to ask God to help me do something. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they spill the milk, don't let me get mad. Or, you know, if, uh, whatever, you know, if I'm working on the dishwasher or something and I, you know, I cut myself, don't throw something across it. It was just, I mean, it was a, a constant. And and the crazy thing was that it actually worked. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, the more I asked for help, the more help I got. I mean, and, you know, I'm a little slow on the uptake, but eventually I started piecing a couple things together and figuring, you know, between some of the reading and, you know, I mean, at this point I'm, uh, you know, in my thirties, I've been around long enough to, you know, know some stuff and seen some things and realized that, 
I had been given a gift, a second chance, a do-over, a, you know, fill in what you want. And, uh, you know, I, I really tried to make the most of it. I mean, it, again, that first year or two after that point was laborious. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, I was excited to do it, you know, uh, thankful and all that kind of thing, but it was, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of, you know, and eventually it got to the point where what did help me too is my wife opening up about how I made her feel, how my anger made her feel, how what, you know, scaring the kids, that sort of thing did to her, them, what have you. Um, and started, you know, started piecing things together that, you know, let letting some things go, embracing other things, and really trying to, uh, really starting to uh, finally heal or whatnot, um, you know, let go of the past, embrace the future, um, that sort of thing. And it was uh, a little difficult. Let, me, let me ask you this, Kurt. Here's the, the Hopkins-bound engineer. The guy who goes out in the field and he fixes things, he makes things, he creates things. And yet you get to this point to where you may lose again this thing that you've built, this family. And that terrorizes you, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, I was scared to death. I was broken. I mean, it was it was worse it it was worse than my parents passing away because it was my fault. You know, I had no control over cancer. I had no control over that silly traffic accident. Um, I had control of this. I did it. I mean, it was, I mean, takes two to tango, but it was all me. I mean, um, you know. Why does the guy, the engineer, now seek something bigger than himself to help him fix it or fix it for him? Well, because I couldn't do it myself. I mean, that's the, you know, it took, I, I had relied, you know, you're a teenager or whatnot, you do what teenagers do. But, you know, when my parents passed, I did everything. I mean, I took care of my sister, sort of. <laughs> um, you know, I paid the bills for the house. I took care of the, you know, I took care of the cars. I got her squared away here. I, you know, we built the business. We, you know, the, all this sort of thing. Um, I did it, you know. I mean, it was, the neat thing was, you know, I helped a lot of people along the way. You know, I mean, I remember, I remember a guy came in and he was all worried. We were at the eating lunch and he was worried about putting these skylights in. His wife really wanted these skylights, you know, and 
She's like, man, I am, I got a perfectly good roof and I am scared to death to cut into it. And I was like, really? You know, finished eating, went over there, cut the roof out, cut the drywall out, cut the insulation out, framed it up, put the new drywall in, done at dinner time. I mean, you know, so I kind of, you know, liked doing that, helping people, all that sort of thing. So you, in a day, cut open somebody's roof, you put the skylight in, by by which I would be thinking the same way that guy did. Don't cut in my perfectly good roof because you hear all these leak stories. But you did it. No big deal. But you couldn't fix your family. Correct. And terrified, I mean, despondent. I mean, the, my whole ball of wax came unraveling, melting, um, what have you. I just, uh, yeah, that was my rock bottom. And without the, I mean, I was so lucky to have the people you know, I, I talk about all the stuff that I did mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. and, you know, now with the ability of hindsight, I am so, I mean, I am so very lucky of all the people that were in my life that helped me. I mean, you know, I, I cursed God for several times at different times in my life, different points. You know, and looking back, he had done so much for me. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, from, you know, the neighbor handing me a pamphlet and helping me out to, you know, I mean, just, uh, you know, being over to to stop by and have a home cooked meal when I hadn't had anything but fast food in a three weeks or whatnot, you know, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I am so fortunate. I am so absolutely fortunate, and the only way that happened is through God's grace. I mean, like I said, He. I felt like I was abandoned, and instead, he is there. He was there all the time. I mean, he was literally helping. I mean, it, it's amazing the people that he put in my life, the times that he put them there, and the things that they did for me. I wow. mean, I'm, you know, I have, you know, and that's the one dilemma that I have now is, you know, one, I feel fortunate that I've actually recognized it and haven't gone through my entire life with blinders like a an idiot and being oblivious. Um, but to be, I have had a blessed and charmed life. I mean, you know, you cover it with, you know, his parents died. Yeah, it's not a great part, Hmm. but I mean, I've, I literally have been so blessed and so lucky in so many aspects of my life, even to this day, 
that now I have a very, very uh, difficult time trying to figure out why. You know, I am left with, you know, God has done so much for me. Why am I worthy and what do I need to do to be worthy of what he's done for me? I'm So the good news is my eyes are somewhat open. The bad news is I don't have a whole lot of answers to that question. Yeah. But I'm lucky I have an opportunity. Yeah. When when did for you God become more than a rabbit's foot? When did he become personal? When he repaired my marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I when I stopped in the maybe not at that exact point, but in the process of me not being scared to death every night that tomorrow might be the last night. You know, she's not going to let me stay. She's going to get out. She's going to find somebody else. Uh, Just this is too much trouble. You know, probably for a good year, I lived like that and deserved to live like that, mm. but it was not a great feeling. Yeah, and then what, what point did you feel like that your faith in God, uh, who now you had turned to maybe as a last resort and a desperation that you've passed this milestone in your marriage to where it's safe, I'm good, but still I, I need to recognize a few things. Lots of things. That's really where, so it was that day-to-day struggle where, you know, it wasn't straight up, but, you know, it was a little up and down, but there was progress. That's when it became personal for me. That's when I knew God was actually working for me. Or helping me, mm-hmm. um, however you want to call it. Uh, but I knew it was it was working for me. I knew that praying, that reading, trying to learn, trying to get better, trying to be a better person, all that was connected, and. The more work I did, the better things would be. But at some point, it it became more than just checking off the boxes, right? Yes, it wasn't. It wasn't really a matter of checking off the. It was just. I mean, it was an overwhelming. You know, I mean, about the same. Let's see. As as I healed my. As we healed our marriage, um, I, during that process, all this started to come slowly, little pieces coming up. Um, you know, 
during that process, I was able to kind of put to get, put to bed the, I guess, not necessarily the anger issues, but the maybe some of the unresolved stuff with my parents passing. Um, and I was able to see what, you know, I went from the why me to the how lucky am I? And that was all through, you know, prayer, actually, the, all that. I mean, it's hard for me to put in the words. No, you're doing great. Um, to but Spirit of Christ altering your nature. Yeah. I, I mean, it was definitely that the Holy Spirit at work or however. I mean, and it was... You know, I've at the time I remember thinking, you know, I, you know, vanity, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I was thinking, wow, how neat it is that God put these people in my life, which was good. It was a step. But, you know, that how not only was he changing me from the inside, changing my heart, unburdening me with certain things. Um, but my wife as well and my family as well. I mean, so. Is that because of what they were seeing in you? How you were changing? Yes, I, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, you know, and our interactions and, you know. Um, when when did your wife say this, see this moment when she saw this husband begin to change? And this wasn't a joke anymore. He's just not checking the box off, but something about him's different. I don't know. Yeah. That that's that's a good question. Um and I don't know and I don't know if there was one specific time. Um you know, there were there's always Kate, you know, uh you know, you always see on the commercials where the dad gets hit someplace that's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so there was, you know, we were talking about the dishwasher. There was a time that I was working under the sink to get to the dishwasher. So, um, you know, spread leg on the kitchen floor up under the sink and bam, you know, and it wasn't pleasant. And it was and my wife's right there in the kitchen, you know, and you know, I, I like to think it's divine intervention or what have you, but nothing came out of my mouth. It maybe was the amount of pain that I was in or what have you, but you know, that was one of those times where you know, kind of she bends down, looks under the kitchen and like, or under the sink and who is that underneath there? You mm-hmm. know, so there, there's a couple things like that, to, you, you know, where a tirade didn't come out or a, a tool went across the room or that sort of thing. And it, it was more, um, I, I believe it was more cumulative than it was a specific moment. But there was yeah. a time where your wife was fearful of your reactions. Yes. And now... And we're still men, and we still respond in certain ways. But 
you believe it's come to this place where she can trust your reaction. Yes. Yep. And it took a long time to get there, yeah. like you said, and it was step by step. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, it was it, it was definitely a process. But, yeah, it's it took a lot of time and a lot of trust on her part. Um, and where do you see things going from this point forward, just in your marriage and your relationship with the Lord? Yeah, my, like I mentioned a little earlier, um, I am, I'm searching. That's kind of what brought me to you guys um, a little bit. I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying, I am, I was very, very lucky. I mean, I have, am, I am very lucky. I've been very lucky. Um, how the, what the Lord has put into my life and I'm trying to figure out how I could possibly be worthy of that. Hmm. I mean, you know, and there may not be an answer to that, but I mean, I feel like the more I learn, I don't know. There, there is a, just the more I learn, the more, the more I want to know and the desire I have to, and maybe it is to, to know God or to know, know about God or what, there's something that I'm I, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. There's something out there I'm looking for. I'm trying to find it, and I'm trying to, the more I learn, the m- more questions I seem to have, but I feel like I'm on the right path. Great. So this God that you, one day in the woods, had this stump experience with, that, that you may have at some point in time been extraordinarily angry with because... He took your parents. Now you come back to him and say, I'm desperate. I, I, I don't even know if you're real, but I need you because I can't do it anymore. Is, it, is this what we're hearing? That's exactly what you're hearing. I mean, I was at the end of my rope, you know, fill in the blank with whatever euphemism or whatnot mm-hmm. you want to put in there. But, um, again, I was, I, I, it I've physically, emotionally couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could not. I, I, I mean, I do not know how I physically, emotionally would have been able to do it if I was the cause of my family to fall apart. Hmm. I I mean, I guess technically you do what you got to do type of thing maybe, but I I was at a mental uh, place where I just, I I couldn't, that could not happen. At wit's end. Yes. I I could not, I could not let that happen. Hmm. And the only help I had 
was God. So, so this guy now who reaches out to God, who is still very much on a journey of searching him out, but does know that at some point in time he did come to your rescue. Yes. I mean, that's the only way that my marriage got better. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the only way... It's the only way I got better. Mm. I mean, that, and that was the that was the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, so how does how does your wife look at you now and her marriage? And is faith something? This faith in God of the Bible real to your entire family? Yes, to a point. To a point. Yeah. I have. Um, I got two sons that are in their twenties. Mm-hmm. So, um. Both had been active in the church at times, and they're in their 20s, and there's distractions. Um, I think they um, know of God, you know, but, you know, that's a, uh, it, that's a process as well. Um, it's conversations that we've had, but not. You know, until they start asking questions at this point, there's not a whole lot I can tell them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, you know, they're making their own way and their own decisions and um, that sort of thing. Um, The the younger two, um, again, my daughter's getting into that age, too. She's in college. She's making her own way as well. Um, the youngest one, hard to say. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, again, oh, they've seen what's happened for me and under, are aware of it. I don't know if they understand it. I'm not sure I understand it, you know, and then, you know, even if they asked me, I'm not sure I had to have a good answer for them. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they do. Um, and hopefully I will when they do. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, or it not, does. But and let me, let me ask you this. Here's the thing about stories that somewhere in those stories, everybody to some degree finds their place in one of them, like your story. And there's folks out there who have had similar experiences where tragedy strikes early in their family. They have this journey of aloneness, if you will. What do you say to them who, who has tasted what you have tasted? What do you, what do you tell them? It's it's tough. I mean, and it that answer depends on time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to you know you have the stages of grief. So I mean, there there's a there, there's a time period when you can't tell them anything. I mean, um, you know, but if you got to a point where you could have a conversation without offending or whatnot, you know, the, the one thing is, you know, to look at 
you know, and this is a tough conversation, is to look at the good things in your life and how you got there. What, you know, it's almost like a survival skill. You know, you drop down in a plane crash and all seems lost. And you take inventory of what do you got? You know, I got a stick of chewing gum and a pen or what, you know, whatever. You do inventory of what you have and you have to be thankful and build off of what you have, even if it's not much. You know, even if you feel like you have nothing, you know, God will give you the resources if you ask. I mean, and if you're not getting what you ask for, you may not be looking in the right place or asking for the right thing. But help is there. It's just... You got you got to be willing to see it. You got to be willing to look for it. So the engineer sitting on a stump assesses what he has in his backpack and he realizes this isn't enough to make this work or get me through this. So at some point in time, you I got to ask. I got to ask someone bigger than myself to get me through this. And you did. Yep. And it worked. Yeah. I mean, it didn't work. At a drop of a hat, you know, I didn't walk back down that hill and, you know, there was confetti and cake and stuff when I got there. You know, you know, it was a pamphlet from the neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, uh, you know, a commercial that I saw on TV that that maybe that's a nice thing to say. You know, um, all those little tidbits or whatnot didn't happen by accident, you know, and the help is there. You just got to be able to see it. You got to be willing to ask for it. You got to be able to, you know, accept it. You know, again, it might not be exactly what you're asking for, the way you think it's going to happen or what have you, but you, you have to, you have to open your heart and take, you know, make the most of what you got. You know, I mean. So would you say a critical juncture is you have to maybe swallow your anger or deal with it, you grab onto a little humility and just ask? Yes. I mean, anger's going to get you nothing. Yeah. I mean, that just, that keeps that gives you no chance. But it's a legitimate response to the pain that you've had. It is. But at some point in time, it's it's going to eat you up. And that's what it was doing to me. It eventually, you know, again, I was able to mask it, hide it, conceal it where it wasn't as objectionable. I mean, if I had taken a job in a cubicle somewhere, it probably would have shown up pretty quick, yeah. you know, but the fact that I was in construction is able to fester and carry on and think that's fine. Yeah. Um, but at some point in time, you have to, you know, you have to 
be able to ask for help and to actually be able to see the help. You can't, you got to be, you got to have faith and you do have to have enough humility or uh, probably faith is the biggest thing that, you know, this, this is what I need, or this is something I should do, or this is a way I should look or what have you, depending on the circumstances or whatnot. But, um, yeah, you, you have to, the help, God will help you. You, you just have to be able to see what he's trying to do for you. Do you see yourself as a, as a man who will continue this journey of searching the rest of your life and perhaps even that with your family? Yes. Yep. I, I feel, I mean, now that I've, you know, again, the benefit of hindsight, I truly have been blessed. And I, I mean, and in such a tremendous way that I don't feel like I'm worthy of that. I mean, I've been given, I've been given such gifts with the people that have been placed in my life and the things that have happened to me that I have a, I feel like I have a duty to, find out why I mean and or what I need to do to be worthy of that Mm. so yeah I mean it's I mean it's the intellectual curiosity it's the uh, yearning of the heart it's uh, thankfulness for what's been placed in my life combination of all the above. Yeah. Kurt, I've really enjoyed your story, and uh, I think both Luke and I have, and the listeners of Restless, the podcast. And is there a final word to, to folks listening? If there were one or two things you would say, and I think you've already have said it extraordinarily well, but what's the last it, thought? It, it's so simple. I mean, to say, you see it on postcards and different things, you know, have faith, you know, and that's real easy to spit out there. But to, you know, it's a nice catchphrase, makes for a nice T-shirt, but you really do have to have faith. I mean, and again, part of having faith is to be aware and to know where to look or to be able to take things, you know, again, God will help you. It may not look like what you want it to look like. And that's our vanity, uh, not being humble, what have you. Um, But God will give you help. You just have to be willing to accept the help that he gives you and do the best you can with it. Kurt, uh, we want to thank you for joining Restless, the podcast tonight. Luke, I'm not sure what you're thinking and hearing this story, what comes across your mind um, or any question that you might have for Kurt, but it's been a a very good and hopeful story that that, uh, 
you have shared with us tonight, and we want to thank you for that. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Of course. And, Kurt, I, what I pretty much gather from some of your final words there is just, you know, no one can be helped that doesn't want to be helped. But when someone is finally willing to seek that, they need only ask and might be well surprised at just what kind of help arrives. That's exactly true. Very good. Well, thanks for being here, Kurt. Thank you, Luke. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Episode 7 of Restless the Podcast, featuring Kurt. For we here are restless to find him who said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For whom is your heart restless? And for today, who, like a skilled engineer, can rework your life?